Father in heaven, thank you so much that your word is real. Your word is live. Your word is from your mouth. You are God and you made us and you love us. So your word is for us. And when your word leaves the throne, it comes back bearing fruit always, always, always. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. We're in a series called My Everlasting Father. My Everlasting Father. We're in the series because we want to understand what it means when Jesus says something from out of who he is, which is, I am one with the Father, I am good shepherd, I am the door, I am the resurrection of the love. When he makes those statements, we want to figure out where's he coming from and we want to use that. All right, you ready? What makes me a Christian? What makes me a Christian? What is the fundamental difference between me and any other faith? When I stand next to somebody else with any other faith, even faithlessness is also a faith in something else. When I, what makes the difference between me and them? What makes me sure that I am genuinely saved for that matter? What makes me sure that I'm genuinely a Christian? Let me build a case here. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, going all the way to the beginning where these terms began to show up. It says, then the Lord God formed... <coughs> ed that is uh, that is past tense the lord god formed man out of the dust so this is done he has formed a man the statue is now ready he is complete man with all of his you know nooks and corners and uh, bits and everything he's ready but he is not a living creature yet right so he says god formed man out of the dust from the ground and breathed then into his nostrils the very breath of life and then man became a living being you are not flesh you are not just flesh ashes to ashes dust to dust you will leave it behind god made it and formed it but what makes a difference between a flesh and a spirited man is the breath of life ruah is the breath of life, the breath of God. We're building a case. We've gone to the beginning where God has now begun by breathing life into man. And he's going to do that again and again and again and again. And God's going to be the life giver throughout the history of time as it unfolds. Are you with me? John chapter 6 verse 63. It is the spirit, capital S, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is nothing, man. The flesh profits nothing. The words which I, Jesus says, have spoken to you, they are small s, spirit and life. They are spirit and life. So when I speak to you, it's not just the English words that are going to change your life, but it's the words coming out of my mouth that are going to change your life because it's coming with my breath. That is why the word of God is the word of God. That is why when spoken, it is to be spoken with utmost respect and reverence that is why it is to be held above all regard that is why it is to be submitted to it is the word of god now it is the spirit who gives life we got that from the first time and the flesh is nothing we also got that from the first time we're in john comparing to genesis the words which i have spoken jesus says to you are spirit and they are life so the words coming out of Christ's mouth are the very life-giving spirit of God. Ruah is the very, very spirit of God. Even in the, 
in the Islamic world, even in the Islamic scriptures, they too agree and they come to terms with this fact that Jesus is the spirit or the breath of God. So that's the, tr- that's the case. Jesus is the ruah, the very breath of God. He breathes life into those dead to God. When a person is dead to God, a person is born dead to God. Jesus is the one who speaks life into them. In the beginning, God was the one through Jesus who spoke life into that living being and he became a living being, man, just formed out of the dust. He's doing that all over again because in Adam, everyone died. They are now alive to God. Write it down. Those who are separated from God, dead to God, they are now alive to God. They are alive to his presence. Before you didn't know God was around. You thought God was a philosophy. You thought God was a, thing, a, a school of thought. You thought God was a belief system. You thought God was an experience. You thought God was a mystic, mystic experience. You try to figure God out. You try to meet him. You try to reach him. You try to explore to get to him. But all along you were dead to him. So no matter what, you will never be able to connect with him. So God, when he gives life to somebody who is dead to him, first and foremost becomes aware of what? His presence. You become aware of the presence of God. Someone who's alive knows others who are alive. Someone who was alive knows others who are alive. You become alive to the holiness of God. You become alive to the holiness of God. There is no darkness in you anymore. Now everything is lit up. We talked about this when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He becomes alive to the power of God. Now the power of God which raised you from the dead is also at work to keep you alive. Isn't that amazing? The same power that raised you from the dead is also going to keep you alive. That power, you become alive to the power of God, the presence of God, the holiness of God. They know God. Now that you're alive, now that you're well, now that you're okay, now that you're present in God's presence, you're able to connect with God, you're able to communicate with God, now you get into a relationship with God. Because sooner or later, if you're in the elevator and another person's standing there and you find that he's not dead, you start a conversation with him. If he were dead, I wouldn't. I don't know about you. I would just leave him right there. I would just leave him right there. You start a conversation because you experience the same life. That person's alive. I'm alive. You connect. They know God. They know God. Now there is a relationship. I am his son. I am something. You fill a form. You say, what is the relationship? You say wife, you say son, you say, there is, there's got to be a relationship. Once you know God, there's a relationship. Once you know God, there is communication. Once you know God, communication leads to intimacy. Once you get intimate with God, you live to please him. You live to please him. What do you like? You like coffee? Do you like coffee with milk, without milk? Do you like two sugars? What, what, what would you like? What, how do you like your coffee? Now, I, I, wh- why do you care so much? Just give the guy a black coffee. No, you want to please him. Because you love him. If you didn't care, you'd give all the elements of the coffee and say, make it. So knowing this, knowing all this, this is the case we've built. We've, we've started from the very birth of man, so to speak. Now, let's look at the statement that Jesus makes. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. This phrase or this uh, claim or this st- statement is made when Jesus is talking to Martha. Lazarus There's a little family called Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. You're familiar with the story, so I'm going to go over it real quick. Mary and Martha, Lazarus, two sisters, one brother, very close to Jesus. They were kind of like the home that Jesus went to church for lunch after church. 
even though there was no church, but he was the church. But after church or whatever that was, after a long preaching, he would head back to their place because, you know, Lazarus was good at barbecue and Mary made an awesome mean curry and whatnot. So she would go back over there or Baba uh, Ganesh or whatever those people did, right? And they got there and he chilled with them. Martha would always be busy. You know that story, right? Yeah, Mary would uh, get away from everything by pretending to be spiritual. We know that as well. Yeah, and Lazarus is just, just deadly. I mean, right? So he's just there. And he's like, I don't know, he's got his guitar. He's playing you know, all four chords. And Jesus hung out with them. But he loved them. He really loved them. And Jesus finds one day, uh, he gets a message on his WhatsApp. He says, Lazarus, your friend is dead. He's dead. Jesus takes his own sweet time. And what was a two-hour journey, a two-hour walk to the next town where Lazarus was, he takes two days. He takes his own sweet time, and Lazarus, of course, dies. And he takes, a <laughs> he takes even longer. He gets there. Martha is crying out. Martha says, if only you'd been here a little earlier, Lord. Your schedule tell you you've got to work on that. You know, I know you're like God and everything. And you set time and space into motion. But you really need to work on it. Jesus, no, I'm not late. I'm here to be glorified. In fact, when I walk past dead people, they come alive. Because resurrection is not an event. It's a person. Resurrection is not something that happens. Resurrection is something that he is. And if you're in a relationship with him, or if he's in you... Death flees. So he says, do you believe this? You know the story, right? Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. Yes, yes. Oh, absolutely. In the last day. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so Jewish theology. In the last day, we will all be raised. Some to eternal life and others to eternal barbecue. Okay. Then there were the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection. Which is why they were sad. You see. That was a free one. You just you can take, take that home. If in case you're taking notes. So the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. But they had some sort of school of thought here. That in the last day we will not be saved. So I know, you know, we give, we give hope at, the, at every funeral we go to. You know, we'll meet again eventually. Don't know how old I'll be. How many times I'll have to grow old. We will meet again. And you're like, yeah, no. no Jesus says, no, no, no. Here, I'm standing right in front of you. Look at me. I am the resurrection and the life. So as soon as I show up, a resurrection happens. Switch that around. As soon as somebody meets Jesus, what's going to happen? A resurrection is going to happen. What happens when dead people meet Jesus? A resurrection happens. But will dead people meet Jesus? No. Because they're dead. So dead people aren't going to go looking for Jesus. It's a little bit presumptuous for us to expect dead people to go looking for Jesus. So Jesus says to you, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. You go to the dead person and you say, Lazarus! Come forth. And he just got up and came. There was no argument. There was no bell ringing. There was no music. There was no anthems played. He just, he just got up and came. Why? Because when Jesus shows up, there is a resurrection. And the resurrection 
happens in the person of Christ and the person of Christ just has to say the word. You don't bring dead people to Jesus. You bring Jesus to dead people and Jesus right now is by word. The breath of God. And when you speak the word of God, the breath of God speak, goes from heaven straight to the grave to that person and they are born again. They are born again. They are born back to life again. And I want to unpack this for you. Some of you are not going to like it because you will realize that you were dead. Dead people hate this message. Dead people told that they are dead, they hate this message. And if you hate this message, you need Jesus. I don't really care how you feel about me. Three ways. Three ways that he executes his power and leaves you changed forever. Number one, I lay down my life and I take it up again. Write that down if you have notes. I lay down my life and I take it up again. John chapter 10 verse 17 and 18. He says, for this reason the father loves me. I've given you the scriptures right there to make it easy for you. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. I lay down my life, I take it up again. I lay it down, I take it up. That's, that, I have life. I'm the resurrection and the life. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own sweet will, of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from the Father. What do you learn? Number one. Number one, you learn that God, Jesus, has the authority to do what he wills with life. He is the author of life. He has the power of attorney on life. And he gives life to whom he wills because he has power to give. He has life to give. You can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. You can't love without a love that you, own, that you don't have. You can't forgive when you don't have it. You can't give life when you don't have it. Jesus says, I give life and I take life. It's, I give my own life, I take my own life. I have my, the Father. The Father gave me this charge. Number two, I give life to whom I will. I give life to whom I will. And the Father gives me this right. So he says in Ephesians chapter 2, one of my favorite passages, he has quickened you because I grew up under the King James Version. He has quickened you. I love that word. It's not even as powerful impacting as the other word that has been chosen for our rather modern translations, which is he, we have been made alive. Made alive. What is that? Made alive. We have been quickened. When you take something dead and you bring life, breathe life into it, you quicken it, you bring it to life. You take a dead organ in the body and you jumpstart it into life. When a heart has begun to die and you jumpstart it into life. When a soul begins to die and you speak life into it. When a dream begins to die and you speak life into it. When a man begins to, his love begins to die for somebody. You speak life into that. When you take something that's dead and you speak life into that. And it comes out again and it's booming and blooming once again. That is the work of God. He says, and you were dead. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, just like those guys out there, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom, among whom all of you once did. You did what you want. You felt like you, you pleased. You just enjoyed yourself. You lived for your body. You woke up and went to sleep pleasing your body, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. There it is. And whereby nature, children of wrath, less like the rest of mankind. But God, oh, ha, ooh, those two words that changed my life. But God, nothing that I have received from the Lord, nothing that I am today, I could have if it wasn't for those two words, if it wasn't for God saying to himself, no, I'll have it differently. If it wasn't for God saying to myself, so start with my, my teachers telling me I'm an ass. I'm an idiot. I'll never make it. God is like, uh-uh, I disagree. Start with me saying, you know, I can't do it. 
I'm not good enough. I don't have... God disagreed with me. From the beginning, God seems to have been disagreeing with me. And bringing out the very best. Doing the very greatest. He says, I'm useless. No, I, I, I disagree. And you were dead in your trespasses, doing whatever you want. And you said, this is what I want. God is like, I don't think so. You were going to hell. God said, I don't think so. But for the will of God the Father. Do you know that you are saved today and you're going to heaven today and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life today. Not because you decided, wanted, accepted nothing. It's because God Almighty wanted it. He saw your name. He, he was there when you were born. He formed you into existence. He breathed the breath of life into you and said, come be with me for eternity. This is what I want. Jesus went all the way to the grave because that's what God wants. You live your life now from 2021 onwards to the end, to the day you die and I bury you if I have to. For his pleasure. For his pleasure. For his will. For his will. Only one can continue. Only one will can, either it can be God's will in your life or it can be your will. You can't compromise. You can't negotiate. You've got to do one. And Jesus says that God, but God who being rich in mercy, look at it verse 4, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when I was dead in my trespasses, that means I did not know he was coming to me. I did not know he could give me life. I did not know my life could be better. I did not know I could be a blessing. I did not know I could know God. I did not know I could spend eternity in heaven. I did not know anything better than what this flesh and blood told me I could be, who I could do. I looked in the mirror and I thought, that's who I am. I looked at Jesus and God said, uh-uh. That's what you're going to be. Look at Jesus. That's what you're going to be. But God. So dead people don't come to Jesus. God's word comes to dead people. And like Jesus screamed out in 11, uh, chapter 11 of John. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And he screams out the words, the life-giving words that raise us up. It says, and he's made us alive. You're good in English. Look at your text. Get your pens out and look at those words. He has made us alive together with Christ. So we share the resurrection with Jesus. We share the resurrection of Jesus. Why is this so theologically important that we share the resurrection with Jesus? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He wasn't talking about Jesus from earth, Joseph's son. He was talking about Jesus from heaven. He says, I have come down from heaven. I have come down from heaven. Later on, he says in another passage, I'll show you that. So Jesus is the son of God, come down from heaven. He's taken on flesh. Why is he taken on flesh? Because he wants to be the second Adam. The first Adam sinned and in him had the seed of sin. So Jesus had to take on flesh so there would be a flesh but without the seed of sin. The flesh that had the original ruah, the breath of God, the life of God. And that once to the grave will come out rejoicing, come out magnificent, come out victorious. That Jesus we were aligned with. So we first aligned in the death with Adam. You know this stuff. He aligned with the death of Adam and we died in him. Now we align in faith with Jesus and we died with him. Only problem with Adam is he's still dead. And Jesus is alive forevermore. So you were raised with Christ. Question, calendar question. When did Jesus come alive? 2020 years ago. Calendar. When were you raised? At about the same time. But Pastor Jerry, I wasn't there. <laughs> yes, you were. According to God, you were. Because he knew you. 
He knew your name. He knew your bad habits. He knew your filthy thoughts. He knew your relationships. He knew your psychological misgivings and, 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 and confusion, total confusion. He knew all your physical, emotional, psychological, and mental imbalances. He knew everything two centuries before you were born. And at that time, he raised you up in Christ. So that when you come to him and when you hear his voice and you respond in faith, that would be applied to you here and now. Because the same spirit of God is active in doing that. He has made us alive together with Christ, circle with. By grace you have been saved because it happened 2020 years ago. It didn't happen based on your works, it happened on your grace. And verse 6, and raised up, you were not only made alive, you were raised up with him. Okay, so you were, you were uh, alive, made alive with him, you were raised up with him, and now you were seated with him. So this power that raised Christ from the dead, raised you along with him, up into the back, walking around on the earth, and all the way to heaven, to be seated along with him. Where is Christ seated? In the highest place. Where are you seated? In him, in the highest place. Now you have access to God the Father, in Christ, in the highest place. So God took you from dust, of Adam to flesh that is raised in Christ so that in Christ you are the new Adam you are now in him and you have full access to God right there in the highest throne he gives life to whom he wills John 5 21 says for as the father raises the dead and gives them life just like the dad does it just like father does it so do I so also the son gives life to whom he wills the father judges no one but he's let all the judgments fall on the Son. Let Him handle it. He decides who gets saved. Jesus decides who gets saved. Jesus decides who gets saved. Jesus decides if you get saved. Jesus decides if you get saved. Your works don't decide if you get saved. Your interest doesn't decide if you get saved. In fact, if you're not interested, that's how He wants it. Because He has seen your heart and He's seen the pride and He will not do it. Pastor Jerry, should I share the gospel with people who are not interested? Yeah, you do that. What if they don't respond? That's up to Christ. You share the gospel. Because the gospel is the life-giving word of God. You share the gospel and leave it between him and Christ. I give life to whom I will. That's going to be a hard thing if you actually understand what I'm saying. You should be a little offended. If you actually got what I'm saying, you should, be, you should go home saying... But, but I thought I, I decided. I thought I allowed Jesus into my heart. I thought I accepted Christ. You did nothing. God gives you the very faith that is required to even recognize the voice and come alive. It is all by the Father's will. So you may understand how Jesus lived by the Father's will. And then you and I could also live by the Father's will. Write the last one down. I have given life to those who believe. That's how he chooses. That's how he chooses. He doesn't choose you based on your behavior. Otherwise, we're all gone, kids. We're all messed up. We're all done, finished, gone. Pack up, go home, bubble wrap to Africa, something, I don't know. Thank God. Oh, thank God it's not my behavior, but it's my belief. When I hear the word of God, I hear what Jesus is saying. And I say, I believe. I have given life to those who believe. And they, who, the ones who believe, will never die. Who's he talking to? Martha. He says, do you believe this? He says, and they will never die. But he, 
will be raised on the last day. You believe in the resurrection, and not everybody is going to be raised, only those who believe. Okay. He who believes in me will never die. I am the resurrection of life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet he will live. Even if he lives, believes in me, he will never die. You're never going to see death eternal. You're never going to see eternal separation from God. Simply because God wants it that way. He, Jesus made it happen that way. And you have the honor to accept God's way of letting you in. John chapter 6. He'll be raised up on the last day. Let me just read this for you. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given to me, but be raised up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, again he says that, that everyone who circle looks, looks on the sun, circles sun, and believes, looks and believes, looks and believes. What are they looking at? The cross. That's where Jesus is here on earth. That's where we see Jesus on the cross. One day we will see him on the throne. But right now we see him on the, we look at the cross. That's the symbol. That's what we look. See, sees, looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And who's going to make that happen? He says, I, suckle it. I will raise him up on the last day. Nobody has taken responsibility for your life the way Jesus has. Nobody has cared enough to see it through all the way to heaven for you. And if it's your sin that's keeping you from him, then you're still a man of dust. And the word of God hasn't spoken life into you yet. For this is the will of the Father that everyone who looks on the Son, circle looks, and believes, circle believes, in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. Why? Because I am the resurrection and the life. Let me close. You must be getting tired. Again, He doesn't give us life. He doesn't give this life. He offers Himself. He is the life. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Learn this if you are a lover of the Word of God. Learn this. He says, and this is the testimony. What? This is the testimony. What? This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. He gave us eternal life. Where is this life? It's in his son. It's not from his son, English. Not from his son. It's in his son. Here we go. Verse 12. Whoever, say it with me, has the son, has life. Common sense. Whoever does not have the son, does not have life. What makes you a Christian? You have Jesus. It's not your behavior. It's not your ethnicity. It's not what you believe. It's not how smart you are. It's not how tall you are. It's not how when you were born. It's not what you're upbringing in. It is you have Jesus. You've got life because he's the resurrection life. You don't have Jesus. You don't have life because he's the resurrection. And it's as simple as that. This is the testimony. This is the testimony. When God gives a witness, when God gives a testimony, you stick with that. My brother, my sister, my friend, I may never see you again. So I don't want to chance not telling you the truth. The fundamental mark of a Christian is regeneration, not social action. Not love all your neighbors like yourself. Not be nice one to another, tender hearted. All that is wonderful, but everybody else is also like that. The moment you say we are nice, you are saying that others are not nice. You say when we, we do good works, oh, you, others also do good works. Everybody does good works. Somebody comes up to you and says, yeah, but all our, our scriptures teach, all our religions, they all teach the same thing. Yes, they do. <laughs> they do. Everybody needs to be good. Everybody's taught to be good. Every, but it's not 
how you behave that makes you a Christian. It's the fact that you have Jesus. It is that Christ has made you alive to God. The difference between you and an unbeliever, the between a Christian and a non-Christian is that you are, say it with me, it's in your notes, you are alive to what? The presence of God, the holiness of God, and the power of God. It's, you're alive to it. You know it. You can feel God's presence. Not just in worship time. Everybody thinks that in worship time, you come in worship time, we've, we've come into the presence. Yeah, you were in the presence of God all along. What have you been up to? You think you just walked into the presence of God when, you know, Tomlin started singing a song? I don't think so. You were in his presence all the time. A believer will live in the presence of God. At worship time, when we all gather, we express our love in the presence of God, in the assembling of the saints. We testify about him. But for the rest of time, we are in his presence. A believer knows the difference. He is alive to the presence of God, alive to the holiness of God. That means sin. Sin is like a, is, sin is like a speck in the eye, man. The moment there is sin in your life, you'll be like, oh God, oh, I can't see. That's how a believer should be with sin. Because he's aware of the holiness of God. And he's aware of the power of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, Satan, give me a best shot. Give me a best shot, man. You haven't won once till today. You thought you looked at me and you thought you had a chance. Give me a best shot. By the way, that's an insult to you. It should be. Till now, Satan has never won. Then he looks at you and he says, I got a shot. Prove him wrong, guys. Prove him wrong. It is that Christ has made you alive by the light of his word. Write it down. That gives life. That's how he made you alive. By the light of his word. He also gives you the gift of faith to, to agree with, to believe the light of his word that comes to you. So not by works, not by worship, not by wealth, not by wisdom. The life. You are different. You are Christian because you have the life of God flowing in your veins. The Ruah of God has been spoken into you once you were dust formed for sure but now you are a living being now you are a spiritual being and this new life happens at the point of repentance when you turn you completely turn from being an adam to being a christ that is regeneration when you turn from being an adam that is jeremy dawson to being christ that's jesus that is regeneration and that is the work of the holy spirit in your life learn that word if you've never heard it before it's called regeneration when the Holy Spirit comes into a dead person, dead to God, has always been dead to God, and makes him alive. And now he knows the power of God, the presence of God, and the holiness of God. And he is able to commune with God, speak to God, and he is in contact with God, and lives in the fellowship and in the communion with God Almighty. You have been quickened. You have been quickened. My brothers and sisters, sometimes we allow for a certain area of our life because we have allowed a relationship because we have allowed a key person in our life to, 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 to speak into our lives, because we have allowed a habit, because we have allowed, it, it, it comes in and deadens one part of our life. And God is still speaking life into you. Maybe tonight you're saying, Lord, I'm not interested. I, 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 I agree with everything, but it's boring. Well, God can speak life into that. He said, Lord, I'm constantly carrying guilt because I'm struggling with this one relationship or this one habit or this one particular sin that trips me up every single time, God can speak life into it. Because you sin because you're of the flesh. So don't try 
telling the flesh not to sin. Don't tell the flesh not to sin. Ask the spirit to make you alive. And when you become alive, you don't want to sin. So if you're not having a hatred for sin, don't bother fighting it. Because that's not the real issue. You'll become very frustrated. You'll condemn yourself. You'll condemn others. You'll find fault with the pastor. You'll leave the church and you'll put your fist up against God. Or is this too late a conversation? God loves you by his great love. But God, his will. Is there an area in your life that needs quickening? Is there something that you want God to do with you? Take a moment with him. Be quiet. Bow your head. Drop your head in in humility and in, in reverence. You are in the presence of the Most High God. You are in the presence of the Most High God. Do your business with God. He called you here for a purpose. Majesty, majesty. Your grace has found me just as I am. Empty-handed, but alive in your hands. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each and every one of us through this week and even forevermore.